Welcome back to Rewire. My name is Bob G, and I am your host. I'd like to start off by thanking those of you who listened to my very first podcast, which was kind of uh, humbling to me, but at the same time, very encouraging. You know, it's putting me in a position in my life to where I am reaching out every way possible to help motivate, inspire, and just share my life story with others. Today, I would like to talk a lot about how my heart in God's hands came about. As a lot of you already know, I was an athlete my entire life. I started playing baseball at the age of four. Well, t-ball, if you want to call it baseball. All the way through the age of 18 to when I was actually had the opportunity to play upper-end baseball, get into a farm system, but with a bad four-wheeler accident on August 14th of 1987. Yes, I am old. Took all that away from me. But we'll get into that whole scenario in a later episode. But then, after two years of rehabbing and everything else, I started getting into weightlifting, strengthening my body, going from being a lefty to a righty. And then I got into playing softball, traveling softball, and other things just to keep my body and my mind focused on things. And it actually worked out well for me over time. I got the opportunity to meet some of the biggest players in the game throughout my years playing. The Mashenko brothers and Gary Hall, just to name a few. And I started working out, like I said, in 1989, actually the beginning of 1990 probably. And... I did it for 18 years religiously, seven days a week, in between working a full-time job, playing two to three games of softball a night, working a part-time job at night at the airport and for UPS. And my life really was going in the right direction. I wasn't burning myself out. I wasn't wearing myself down. I was doing what I needed to do for my life, my family. So in 2005, I, out of nowhere, I started having issues with quick fatigue while working out, which baffled me because I wasn't used to that. I was going from doing two to three games a night. You know, I was playing probably well over 400 games of softball every March through November between traveling games, traveling tournaments, out-of-state games, local games. And then, again, like I said, still working out, still trying to take care of myself. You know, yeah, I was burning the candle at four ends instead of two ends. But my body was handling it. I was young. I was, like I said, I was very athletic. But then when this fatigue came in, you know, basically started kicking in. I didn't understand what was going on. I thought maybe it could have been some of the supplements I was taking. You know, because I changed supplement companies every cycle. I would I would sometimes change, you know, try to get a different effect from something. But one thing you can say, I never did nothing illegal, no steroids, nothing off the streets. Everything I 
bought was from GNC <laughs> in Vitamin World. You know, they got six, $700 a month for me when I was young, just in supplements. And I was just taking the basic creatines and nitric oxide and proteins and amino acids. So when this fatigue started kicking in, I just thought maybe it's just something that because I switched companies again, because I started taking Rich Kaspari Nutrition, which was a brand new company back then. And I thought it might have been just an adverse reaction to his supplementations. But as the year progressed a little bit, I started having, I guess you would say, strength issues also. I went from working out on a, say, a bench press, for instance, you know, working out with 315, and then all of a sudden struggling with 315 in short amounts of time. But again, I thought I could have been overworking myself, not getting proper sleep because I was only getting about two to three hours of sleep a night. I was just running my body ragged, but it was just strange to me. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, well, it is what it is. So on the weekends, I was also a bouncer. And uh, I was coming home from one of the nightclubs I was working at in Westlake, Ohio. And Teresa had called me and asked me to pick, go to Walmart in North Olmstead to pick up some things for the kids for breakfast in the morning. So I said, sure, no problem, not, not a big deal. So I took, you know, the drive up into North Olmstead and going down Brook Park Road. And just when I was getting ready to turn into Walmart, as soon as I turned right into and crossed the apron of the entrance, I lost my vision. It was for about a millionth of a second, maybe, but I didn't go blurry. I didn't go cloudy. I didn't go fuzzy. I didn't see lines. I didn't see colors. It was colorless, I guess you would say, but it came right back. And I called Teresa and I said, something's wrong. And she knew something was wrong in my voice because she felt the trembling in my voice. And she thought first thing, oh my God, did you hurt somebody at the bar? And, or did I get in a car accident? And, but I, I you know, reassured her that no, it was just, I lost my vision, but it came right back. She asked me where I was sitting. Right now, I said, I'm sitting halfway in the street, Brook Park Road, and halfway in the Walmart's parking lot. I said, what I should do. You know, she's basically suggested that I just pull over and call an ambulance, and I wasn't calling an ambulance for just something that was just a fluke. So I told her, I'm just going to drive home and deal with it when I get home or deal with it tomorrow. Or later on that day, I guess you would say, because like I said, it was about 3 a.m. in the morning. So that little... 4.7 mile ride home it took me about 40 minutes because I was terrified to drive even though it was a straight shot straight down Brook Park Road to West 130th down to Lennett over to 128th real fast real simple you know route but I was just so paranoid that it was going to happen to me again so that morning at about eight o'clock my sister came over Susan who's also a nurse at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland she works in heart surgery and everything else. She came over and she, you know, proceeded to take all my vitals and everything. And my heart rate was about 184 beats a minute sitting down. And she said, your heart's going to explode. And she goes, I want you to be honest with me, Bobby. 
are you taking steroids? And, you know, I told her, I said, so you know me. I don't do drugs. I don't do nothing illegal. I, GNC gets all my money. You know, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. So she convinced me to go to the hospital. She drove me to the hospital. Ended up being in the hospital for nine days. And it was a very long nine days between stress tests, echoes, cardiac catheterizations, a CT scan, an MRI. It was just overwhelming because we couldn't figure out what was going on. Just out of the blue, my heart rate went back to normal. They couldn't understand what caused it to do what it did. So they referred me to a neurologist out of the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Bob McKitas, and he took over my case. I wouldn't say took over my case. He came on to my case because he was the very first doctor that was involved in the diagnosis of my illness. You know, being with him for as long as I was with him, a lot of things weren't solved. A lot of tests were on, a lot of prescriptions given, but nothing was really set in stone. And that's another thing I'll get to on another episode, how my whole nine and a half months with him went until he referred me to another hospital, another professional, one of his colleagues, because I want to get back to why and how like you know my heart in God's hands comes about. So throughout all of my testing and diagnosis and everything else, I had to really embrace what the doctors told me to where there's no more sports. I gotta conserve as much energy as I can every day. My the way my body is working, I, my body doesn't produce enough oxygen throughout the organs, the muscles, the brain, the cognitive part of it all, all at once, and it's going to progress over time. So, again, being an athlete, that was a hard pill to swallow. But I had a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness towards people, towards life. I was asking God why. Every single day, I'd ask him why, why me, why did you do this to me? I would blame him for everything 10, 15, 20,000 times a day, whatever it could have been, because no doctors had answers yet. But through it all, I still kept telling myself, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep playing sports, I'm not gonna allow them to tell me what I'm gonna do and what I can't do. So, on October 13th of 2007, went to bed, you know, just a typical night, and just out of nowhere, I thought I was having a crazy dream to where I was almost like as if I was in a spy movie, I guess you would say, like sitting on a park bench with my back to somebody that I couldn't see, couldn't touch. You know, only senses I can use was my hearing, you know, listening to the people talk. And at that moment in my dream, I thought I was speaking to my grandparents. My grandfather reached out to me and and he called me Bubba. So he said, he goes, uh, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You know, 
me and Graham are here for you. Don't worry about it. You're going to be safe with us. And I couldn't really understand what he was pertaining to, but I knew it was my grandfather because I knew his voice, you know, because growing up, you know, without a father around, he was my father figure until my stepfather came around when I was 14. And he did everything with me. He was a baseball player growing up. He played minor league ball. He knew a lot of the Cleveland Indians trainers, the Cleveland Indians themselves. And on April 20th of 1980, a drunk driver hit us coming home from a Cleveland Indians game on a Sunday and T-boned us and killed my grandfather. And that's that's another subject for another podcast to go in more detail about. But um, like I said, I was very familiar with my grandparents' voices. And my grandma said, you know, Bobby, I love you. I love you. You know, we're always going to love you. We're going to be here for you. And it was this, again, that the voices were so familiar with me. And my grandmother died in 1990. And like I said, this is 2007, but I still knew their voices as if I talked to them every single day. But it was like the first time I heard their voices since, I guess you would say, with my grandma, September 7th of 1990, because she passed away walking up our steps in our house. Right, you know, basically I walked out the front door and two seconds later she collapsed. But, um... You know, she lived with us for the last six years of her life. But as I was speaking to them in my, I guess you would say my dream, my premonition, whatever you want to call it, another voice came in. And the voice basically told me that it's not your time. We're here, but we're not ready. I didn't know who, what, whose voice this was. I never heard the voice in my life. I couldn't familiarize myself with it. But this other person or other voice, like, I don't know if it was a person because I, I didn't see anybody in my dream. It was like, like I said, as if we were sitting back to back in an old spy movie or something, you know, passing secrets around to each other without looking at each other. So... This other voice said, George and Betty and I know that you have reasons to live. You'll fight this. You're going to help others through your issues. And I wasn't understanding what all that meant. And this voice told me that the anger happened, but it was just a thought. It was an emotion that was in passing. You're going to get past all of that. The more you fight this illness, the stronger your heart will get. And you'll start realizing what your purpose is on, in, in this world. And it had me baffled because it seemed so real. As, like I said, as if I was just literally sitting with someone, just having a normal conversation. My grandpa, which this other voice called him George, said, Bobby, he's gone now. And when he said he's, 
I was really at the point of who is he? So I next thing I remember basically is the morning came. You know, I I'm like a the early bird catching the worm. You know, I never use alarm clocks or nothing. I sat up in bed and I noticed Teresa wasn't in there. And I swung my legs around and put my feet on the ground. And as soon as my legs hit the ground, I guess, or my feet hit the ground, the heaviness was all gone. The animosity, the anger, the asking God wise, the bitterness. It was as if someone took the elephant off my back and took the negative emotions out of my thought process, out of my brain. So I went downstairs and Teresa was sitting downstairs having coffee. And I said, I got to tell you about this crazy, crazy dream I had last night. I said, it was so real. She goes, before you tell me, let me tell me, let me tell you what you did in the middle of the night. She goes, at about 2.12, she goes, you got out of bed and you walked over to our, we had a rocking recliner in our room because we had a very big bedroom. It took the whole front of the house in our house in Cleveland. And uh, she said, you sat there and she goes, I didn't say nothing to you because I just thought you got up because your legs were hurting, your legs were cramping because that was, again, one of the side effects and one of the complications I was dealing with during my, you know, my whole diagnosis. And she said, you started talking to somebody. And she goes, you sat there for literally over a half hour talking to somebody. And she goes, it really made me nervous because I realized that you weren't complaining. You were talking. You were having a conversation. She goes, but then after a half hour or so, you came, got back into bed, and you rolled over, and nothing said. So then I told her about the dream I had, you know, what was entailed from my perspective of all this. And I told her, I said, you know, Teresa, I got to, you know, I don't understand. Where did the heaviness go? Where did all this anger go? It's gone. I said, whoever this other voice was, I said, do you think it could have been God? And she just gave me the craziest look in the world because I told her, I said, I didn't know this voice. I've never talked to this voice. I've never even heard this voice in my life. And, you know, I'm not a religious, well, I wasn't a religious person back then. You know, I never went to church. You know, we didn't go to church growing up. But I told her from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I'm going to change at least one person's perspective about their own life. You know, from the kindest little hello, good morning gesture to donating to the, a charity, whatever it's going to be, I'm going to change somebody's perspective on how they feel about themselves, how they feel about others, how they feel about their life, their emotions. And, you know, here it is today, July 12th, 2021. And I really feel that I've accomplished this. 
that I affect somebody each and every day, somehow, some way. That's my purpose. That's why I'm still here. I really understand now. I've understood now for many years why I can fight the way I do. You know, there's a lot of people when it comes to illness, you know, they just want to woes me and get sympathy and pity and lay in the hospital bed and or on their oxygen or whatever it might be and just wilt away. That's not me. That's not who I am. You know, even the most dying rose on the bush comes back when it's properly watered and gets its sunshine. And that's what I feel I've done. I've, I've rebounded from everything that they've thrown at me. Because if it was God I spoke to that day, he's not ready for me. He got me here for this reason, for a mission. And I truly believe that. So throughout my podcast, and I'm going to be answering a lot of questions if anybody has any message they want to send to me through the podcast is a link you can follow and you can ask me questions subjects you'd like me to speak about you know different topics you know I'm not one to go through and quote Abe Lincoln or Michael Jordan or Buddha whoever it might be you know everything I say my philosophy all comes from my heart, from within. I'm not one to plagiarize or mimic someone else's thoughts or switch a few words around and make it my own. You know, I everything I feel, I feel deep, deep inside my heart. And we've passed, you know, the way we raised our kids on. And Jordan, you know, our oldest, you know, he has three daughters now. And... I really feel that we've embraced it with our children to where they have grown to have great morals, family values, core values that they've passed on to their own friends in their lives. So something's working. Something has been done right throughout all of this. And I'm honored that I can share my life story with all of you because sometimes it's it's just an ear people want to you know have in their lives or a shoulder to cry on or a hand to hold you know sometimes you don't even have to say words you can just sit there in complete silence and still be there for that person when they really need it So, my next podcast will basically be more about how I grew up, you know, how the way my mom raised us on her own before my stepfather came around, you know, how hard it was on her, you know, how strenuous it was and for her to go off welfare and get three jobs to try to make our lives better and take away all her time with us to so just to support us, just to give us nice shoes or so she wouldn't have to literally sew us clothes anymore 
And it's funny in that situation is that my mom made me an outfit for school pictures when I was in fourth grade. Two years later, my younger brother wore the same exact outfit in his school pictures because everything was handed down between me and my brother. But it was something my mom made, something she, you know, put hard work into because, you know, we didn't have the best of everything growing up. But what we did have was love, and my mom showed us love. She made us feel love more than showing us love. You know, it wasn't about the things she can buy for us, the materialistic things. It was just about the way she carried herself with us and the way she used her heart. Yeah, she was hard on us, but she made us into the great parents that we all are now. So I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me through the podcast, through social media, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. And I'll be more than glad to answer any of your questions or, or your comments. And in ending, I would like to say again, thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to bring the light to your tunnel instead of waiting to the end of the tunnel. And God bless all of you. We all have a purpose. Sometimes it just takes time to find it.